Hello and welcome to Rocket, now known as Comedy of Errors on Relay FM. No, we're still known as Rocket. I am Simone de Rochefort and I am joined today by Brianna Wu, Head of Development at Giant Space Cat, and Christina Warren, Senior Tech Correspondent at Mashable.com. Uh, what are you, what are you, what are you ladies wearing? <laughs> um, pajama shorts and a t-shirt. That's hot. <laughs> I just got back from the gym. So, mm, yeah. that's hotter yeah sweatier yeah, presumably yeah yeah it's uh, great i've been on oh. you know in texas for the last week or so so i i, I don't think i can be held responsible for for my actions and words texas how, did how, something to you simone texas we, made we me the person that i've been meant to be my entire life oh god i've never been well, happier no, again you're in austin right i was in austin and san antonio although austin is the home of my soul right I mean, like, you weren't, like, in Dallas or Houston or anything. Actually, I did get, because uh, we were delayed on the way back, and I did have to spend the night in Dallas, and oh, that God. was less pleasant. I was going to say, see, that's real <laughs> Texas. I know Texans, you're going to, like, send me hate mail. Look, I'm from Atlanta. I'm allowed to sort of talk about your part of the South slash Southwest, whatever. Um, <laughs> so that that's, like, real Texas. Like, if you just know, like, Austin, like, it's not really Texas. I think I drove through real Texas, because when we went to oh, yeah. Austin to San Antonio, we drove through Dripping Springs. Oh, you drove through. Down... Well, San Antonio is real Texas. San Antonio is real yeah. Texas. San Antonio's weird. Like, that tourist area is so different from anywhere surrounding it like it, san antonio is a really weird sprawling city to me yeah and if you if you go to the alamo and you ask them um where the basement is they like don't find it funny that's a Wee herman joke that's a Pee-wee you don't herman know joke. come okay. on no wait wait simone like christina and i are the ones that had public education in the south like you're the one that should know this like you <laughs> yes. had an okay school system <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I watched Pee Wee Herman. But but Pee Wee's Big Adventure is Danny El- it was oh. um it was uh oh. Danny Elfman's first film score and Tim Burton's oh. first uh, full oh length God. and it's one of the greatest movies of all time. It's on Netflix. It's really really funny. Okay. Well, um and and the whole thing is that his bike gets stolen and he goes in search of it and some gypsy tells him that it's in the basement of the Alamo. Um the Alamo has no basement. Um <laughs> and and so he gets there and he's very upset, but like if you go to the actual Alamo and you ask them that, I'm sure that they hear it a million times. But anyway, they're not amused, is all I'm saying. No. <laughs> I would never do such a thing because yes, Texans are kind people and I don't want to offend them. <laughs> but I will pull the TV into my bed so I can watch Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. You know, in the, uh, okay, the intimacy. Guys, we got to start the show. No. <laughs> we, got, we got to. We got all to. All right. All right. Okay. Let's talk about some tech topics. So first up i i can't come back from this like i'm i'm just i'm ruined today i'm ruined, <laughs> you ruined you. today you're already i'm sorry brianna let's start oh. the show Woo. would you like to keep talking about my texas vacation i i would like to talk about what do we want to cover first like error Twitter. 53 all right error 53 let's do it all yeah. right so Christina, you wrote a piece about this on Mashable yes. about Air 53, which is basically bricking people's iPhones if they've had the <laughs> um, the home button or in some cases the screen repaired at third party stores yes. uh, because of a security measure that Apple has implemented that they did not tell people about. Right. Um, so people are becoming very upset when they find that because of security, when they've had their home button replaced and then try to update to the next version of iOS, the iPhone goes, this is a violation. Right. And bricks itself. Yes. Um, why wait, is wait, this wait. People are now? angry at Apple this week for something. <laughs> I am. I am. Mm. Why I is this a thing now? This. Why yeah. hasn't it happened before? Have I been under a rock? I mean, I have been in Texas, as I'll keep yeah. mentioning 50 yeah. times. Right. Well, I think that the problem was, exactly, as you say, I mean, this isn't anything new for people, like, being upset at Apple. Um, the problem is, obviously, that... Uh, I think it's it's a couple of things. One, you've got people who are not expecting this when they get their phone repaired, and and, and it works fine. I think that's the biggest issue is that mm-hmm. um, basically it doesn't. This error fifty three doesn't happen when you reboot your phone, so the phone will reboot and it'll work just fine. Uh, but when you plug it into iTunes to do a restore or a software update, or you try to install like a new version of iOS, then it does a security check for the Touch ID sensors um, and basically says, oh, this doesn't match, and bricks the phone. 
So um, just to give a little bit of background of what the actual problem is, um, basically it all ties into the Touch ID sensor on your phone, which is connected to the home button. And the Touch ID sensor, each sensor is actually paired to a specific iPhone so that it can't work with any other device. And that's because on the iPhone 6 and above, it actually stores the secure enclave which is where Apple Pay is stored and where your fingerprint is stored and some other mm -hmm. things. And so um, it basically um, makes sure that you can't take that button and put it with another phone and then potentially gain access to that or con or, or, or conversely have um, a, a like a, a sensor that's counterfeit that maybe is designed in a way to steal information from that enclave. So um, if you... So it's uh, a security thing. It's like completely they are, a security They thing. are making a very valid... I yes. might add, a, you know, this is what really gets me about this, Christina, that I, you know, Gruber linked to your piece this week. And it's like, I... I can understand someone saying, like Gruber did, um, you know, why don't they just disable Touch ID? But I think this is like you know, case 1000 of the public judging yes. Apple unfairly, because if they had not added this error, you know, not had it like run a security check, what would the headlines have been? Apple vulnerable. Apple Pay is garbage. Hundreds oh, exactly. and thousands of mm -hmm. Apple Pay users are, are vulnerable to this. Anyone could steal your phone and it would just be a oh, circus. You're dead on. Yeah. You're dead so on. then then they introduce something into it that I read that and I'm like, Oh, thank God. That's I really felt the same smart. Way. <laughs> I, I felt the same and, way. And, oh, I just can't. No, I agree with you. I think that this is a security feature that they absolutely should implement. I think that the, the, the problem is, the broader problem that I have with it, and, and I've since learned since I kind of tweeted that it was like, well, maybe they should just you know disable the Touch ID part. Um, uh, Rosina Keller on, on Twitter was saying, actually, they, they can't do that. Let me go back and go through some of um, their tweets. Sure. Sorry. Um, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. She said, uh, uh, they said, um, you can't only do that because of how the sensor has access to the decryption keys, even without Touch ID ever being used. Um, so uh, basically saying a compromised Touch ID sensor could harvest the decryption keys, even if Touch ID was otherwise disabled, uh, because it's hooked directly to the secure enclave, which holds the decryption keys when the device is powered on. And because of how iOS is set up, um, uh, it has no access to Touch ID itself for security reasons if iOS gets infected with malware. So there is a very valid security reason why this happens. I think that the problem is, is, is and, and Glenn, Glenn Fleischman was harping on this, I don't care so much about the disclosure, although maybe it would be useful, but I think people who, because I think in this case it is a real security problem, I think the problem is um, the broader problem, and I might write something about this, I might not, it depends on kind of reaction, depending on how much people care about this on Monday, is um, the example in The Guardian, and The Guardian was the first to kind of talk about this, although there have been people who have talked about this error 53 for, for, for a long time beforehand, and, and there are thousands of threads all over the, the Apple support forums. Um, side note, nobody should trust the Apple support forums as like <laughs> indicative of, of anything because everybody there is outraged about everything. So, yeah. but, but, it, but it, it shows that there are definitely people who are, have been affected by this issue. I think the problem is, is that if you're in a market for instance, the Guardian cited one of their freelance um, reporters who was in the Balkans when his phone died, and so oh. he needed it for work. So he gets it fixed at a repair shop there. It's not an authorized Apple store because there aren't any Apple stores in Macedonia. So he gets his phone fixed. It seems to be fine. Then he updates to iOS 9.3. He had been on, I think, a version of iOS 8. And his phone breaks. I think the problem is, is when you're in a country that doesn't have authorized repair centers or Apple stores, what do you do then when it comes to getting your repair done? And I think that's a broader issue. I, I think that for them doing the security yeah. measure, I think is totally valid. Yeah, and I think that's, it's a good that's thing. reasonable, Christina, because the whole thing I was thinking about with this and, you know, sometimes when we get to the Twitter topic, we'll kind of return to this theme where I think sometimes when we think about tech issues, we think about them from very West and typically American points of view. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's because I've been thinking, I'm like, what is the use case where someone um, doesn't go to an uh, Apple authorized center? You know, because yeah. I mean, 
it seems to me that the repair isn't being done correctly. If, no, it probably you know, isn't. You, you yeah. don't take it to someone like that. So no, that is a if, really good point, though. But hmm. if you're in another country where you don't have right. a, a authorized stores, I think that's a problem Apple needs to address, which is at this point, yeah. you know, they have a billion active devices in the world running, you know, either iOS or OS X um, or, or one of the various iOS offshoots. And so, and most of those are phones, obviously. And so mm-hmm. if it were our iPads. And so if you've got that many devices, you need to have a more... Um, robust repair author center or organization and that probably means partnering with a lot of these smaller shops and yeah. getting them to be authorized yeah if um, kyle weens local shops or something like that because i don't yeah. think that compromising the security is any kind of solution no, here for not. sure there's there's a, there's a contention of people especially in the repair community and kyle weens um uh from from ifixit has been very much you know, vocal about this, where they see this as Apple just trying to force people to pay more money for repairs. And look, that might be part of it, but I actually don't think that's the under overlying thing. I think that really this is coming down to a security thing and Apple is just very stringent about who they'll authorize and not authorize to get parts. And I understand that, but I think maybe, so I disagree with some of the rhetoric around that um, and about the fact that, oh, this is, you know, clearly just a way to make you pay more to get your phone repaired. I mean, look, granted, it is going to cost you more to get your phone fixed at the Apple store if you don't have a warranty than it would be if you went to like I cracked or or just you know like Johnny's fix it shop or whatever that that's absolutely true and, and I can understand people wanting to save money getting their their, their screen fixed that said um, I don't really have a problem with Apple being like you need to go to an authorized place if you want your phone to to work correctly I think the problem is is when you live in a place where there might not be authorized centers nearby and so I think that to address this issue which is obviously a real thing and it started really with the iPhone 6 um, and six plus, I think, is that they need to have more robust, authorized um, repair places all over the world, and and do more to work with, you know, the places like iCracked and 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 other kind of smaller, you know, chain repair places to get them authorized, um, make charge them, you know, mm-hmm. offer them the parts officially, offer the training, um, and and that way, if something does happen to your phone, you have a much better shot of actually getting it fixed. Because if you're in a part of the world where you can't get that done. That's really crappy, especially yeah. if like you, you've yeah. got two, you know, basically at that point, you've got like two options. You're like, I can get my phone fixed and hope that it works and then maybe go to an official Apple store and pay another couple hundred dollars to get it properly repaired. Or, um, you know, I get it fixed, use it temporarily, then it's going to brick itself once I do anything with or it. Send it and neither, out somehow. And neither of those options are, are, are good, especially if you're in an emergency situation where you need your phone. And Apple should want its phones to be in countries where they're, where they're that um, install base or the, the store in- infrastructure isn't there because having those phones there could create more of a market for it. And then they could eventually get Apple stores there and have that be profitable for them. I think well, part of the- I agree mm. with that, Simone, but I also, you know, Christina, do you remember when Apple went from a battery in the 15-inch MacBook that you could take out and replace, yes. and they went to the unibody, and people were up in arms. They were like, how can you do this? Why will you do this? And I can't help but suspect it's a lot of those same people that are complaining about this. I, I want to give some other situations. I would bet that compared to most of the people complaining about this, I think about security a lot more because sure. we have hacking attempts constantly. If someone got their hands on my email, it's not just like it would it would be a big bag of hurt for a lot of people. So at our company, we think about this kind of stuff constantly, like security and like credit cards and access. And like Apple increasingly, like it used to be that Android well, I'm not Android, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, BlackBerry was like really used by mobile devices by corporations. And now you see the iPhone taking over because it is much more secure for exactly these kinds of security guards. So, you know, I I I have empathy for the cost situation. And, you know, I, I very strongly agree with you, Christina, that Apple, you know, if this is the case, Apple needs to expand this and work with those people. But I, I kind of feel that security is correctly the primary mission objective here. Versus 100%. Low, low cost, um, like, fix. yeah, it sucks. But on the other hand, it would suck more if someone were to steal your, yes. your Apple Pay. Oh, and no, I, I mean, think, that's the I thing. Mean, if, 
if you're going to have Apple Pay, if you're going to trust Apple with your fingerprints and with your yeah. credit card information, and I wrote this in my piece, is that if, yeah. if I'm going to trust those things, then I need to be guaranteed that this is going to be secure. And if that means that I have to go to an authorized repair center and I have to pay more money for a repair, so be it. Um, I just think that they can do a better job making sure that there are repair centers in places outside of you know the United States and the Western world. And this is um, a kind of a nitpicky thing, but someone on the Guardian article, I believe, uh, there was a comment that mentioned they could have had language when you buy the phone that says this is a security yeah. feature and that yeah. i think may not have totally fixed this this problem of people not knowing but it would have been a nice thing to be able to point to and say hey we did mention that this is our you know our oh that would cover tactic. them from any sort of class action thing for sure but i i guess my only my only point with that is that i don't know how many people would pay any attention to it yeah. i also don't yeah, know you could at least yeah. have it there and be like i don't hey, know i, mean, I tell Simone, you if i can if i could say this like someone was taking a screen of like what the steps were to set up your phone in ios like two versus you know ios nine if you look at it, it's a huge spreadsheet of like modal dialogues that you have to go through it's ridiculous at this point so yeah i mean adding it to the terms of service maybe i'm not that saying it would, would cover them anything, legally. no yeah. i mean yeah. again that was something that glenn fleischman was really kind of banging on and i understand his point with that i but i kind of feel like i'm with you brie i think people would just blow yeah. right past it it would definitely absolve them from any sort of class action thing like we told you but at the same time i think that people would still complain i don't think it would do anything to mitigate the complaints that happen mm -hmm. with this whether no matter what sort of language they put in people are going to complain because it's apple but i'd also agree that this would be a situation that would be a hundred times worse for them if they didn't do this and you could potentially because what would happen is and i'll guarantee you this is that you would have an entire market of of counterfeit you already have counterfeit iphone parts but you'd have an entire market of counterfeit iPhone parts for touch ID sensors that are designed to get into that secure enclave. It would create an entire industry for, you know, even, even police, you know, like we're talking about, you know, the, 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 law enforcement trying to get access to iPhones. Imagine if the, the way you could break into the encryption of an iPhone would just be to replace the touch ID sensor. Right. That'd be a nightmare. Right. I mean, how much does one of the gadgets, it plops the, you know, you put the suction cup on each side and you plop it open and it'll like rip the phone <laughs> apart and take your phone apart. Like that's like 200 bucks, right? To like be able to get into the guts of your phone and hack it. That's a really big problem. And I, I have to say this too. Something I, I am perpetually bothered by tech commentary from people is when they think this stuff is easy. Like Apple and Apple Pay is literally going hey guys we've had the magnetic stripe as a credit card standard since like this technology was invented in the 50s and we are trying to go forward and invent that and when you have this hyper complicated piece of technology and like you're working with like a service infrastructure that spans the globe and it's like so awesome that i can send my iphone in for a repair and they'll send me a box and like it'll be back at my house the next day and like that kind of economic and scale global globally and like you're amazed at like some error in an iphone touch sensor like they didn't think of it and they're gonna need some time to solve it after a problem comes up it's like my god can you just like give them a chance to get the feedback and change it before you like denounce them as satan incarnate i just no, don't understand we're marching it, on cupertino you know? tomorrow with all right. we are all right all um right. i do I'll see think you guys there I do think that there's something they could do about the error message. That is actually one area where I, oh, where like I will have criticize it be more them. explanatory of what's yes. happening and why. Now, yeah. in fairness to them, they did actually since Error 53 first was revealed, and I think it was actually Mike Weiner at the um, or Weiner at the at the Daily Dot who first wrote about it, and he wrote about it I think last April. Um, and his issue actually I think was just because he had a, a messed up iPhone. He hadn't had any repairs on it, and it just started giving him that message. And the Apple Store didn't even know what it was. You know, oh. there was no language about it. Now Apple actually has a page that tells you exactly what's going on so that's good but i feel like there should be something more than that when that happens because mm -hmm. otherwise you know there's nothing that's more scary as a consumer than when you something happens and all you get is an error code yeah um so I, I definitely think that they could do a better job explaining what the problem is i think even as simple as call this number or go to an authorized apple store immediately would be would be beneficial mm -hmm. i have something to explain to you as well this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Braintree, code for easy online payments. If you are a mobile app developer, check out Braintree. Braintree is the payment solution used by companies like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, and Munchery. 
Braintree has made the payment experiences in these apps seamless and magical, and now you can add similar experience to your own app. With excellent customer service and simple integration, Braintree gets you ready to receive payments quickly. Braintree's continuous support plus fast payouts means you'll be prepared as your company grows from your first dollar to your billionth. Braintree is also helping solve the problem of mobile cart abandonment by offering a best-in-class mobile checkout experience, and they make payment experiences in some of your favorite apps seamless and magical. Now you can add similar experiences to your own apps. Braintree gives you a full-stack payment solution, support for all payment types your customers might want, including PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, and more, all with a single integration. It's with you across all platforms with superior fraud protection and their fantastic customer service and fast payouts. To learn more and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com rocket. Thank you. Hee. <laughs> I'm back at it. Back on oh, the horse. Simone. We missed you. Speaking missed of you. Apple Pay. <laughs> Speaking of Apple Pay, I mean, that was actually a really good segue. Yeah. You want to be able to use your Apple Pay. Uh, uh, should we talk about Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> the you Twitter apocalypse. I'm so excited, Brianna. I'm so tired of Twitter. I mean, why'd you introduce the topic and then I'll. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so following up on some rumors that I think started cropping up last June, BuzzFeed has reported that Twitter will be switching to a an algorithm-based um, news feed next week, similar to what Facebook has, where the things that you like will cause more things that you quote-unquote like to appear on your news feed rather than the chronological timeline that it is now. Um, Twitter is now on fire and has been since yesterday when this article came out. Uh, there, there are some concerns, really valid concerns, I think. I, I'm still kind of up in the air on how exactly I feel about this because my, my reaction to Twitter changing things is to emotionally shut down and back away from it. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the concern is that for people in communities like, say, artists, for example, people who use Twitter to network with other people in that community and talk to them and form genuine relationships, they're concerned that it will be harder to break in as a new person in that industry, which I think is a totally valid concern. Uh, there's concern that it will, you know, the stuff that will float to the top will just be the um, kind of celebrity drama and... Um, news articles and things like that that kind of tend to generate more attention rather than quality content whatever that <laughs> not means because twitter is full of quality are you trying quality to say that kanye west is not quality content <laughs> uh, because i'll have you know i get an alert every time that man tweets and it is worth it every single time really <laughs> yeah i do have an if this is i i want kanye. that alert i'm gonna install that as soon as i get off this podcast. personally for me twitter is a platform for memes and i <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I'm curious to um to get your guys' opinions on this, since, like I said, I've been going ooh, ooh, yeah ever since I read the article last night. I did actually read an interesting article on Medium. Um, I'll I'll get the author name for that. It'll be in the show notes about a person who quit liking things on Facebook for two weeks to see what happens to the algorithm. It's Elon Morgan um on Medium, and they found that the news feed became a lot more personal, and um I guess. The, what you would expect Facebook to be is a very, uh, you know, friendship interaction based platform rather than a platform that shoves relevant things into your face. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Twitter, the algorithm that Twitter implements is similar to the one that Facebook has implemented and how user interaction will change what it feeds back to us. Anyway, what's up? I I guess my thought on this would be, you know, I, I know a lot of engineers at Twitter and, you know, the process by which any company of Twitter size that's in social media rolls out changes is very, very, very similar to the game industry. So when we're developing things in the game industry, we bring in users for playtesting. You take notes, you refine it, you get feedback. It's a statistical model. You roll it out, you test it, you A-B test it, you see if it's better. So what I guess, um, I, I feel like people might be leaping too quickly to judge Twitter. I think it's kind of like the Apple thing, actually, where you have a very, very, very vocal group of people. Um, 
I am, I share everyone's worries that this could make it worse, but I also think like there was a Twitter engineer that's getting hounded on Twitter for saying, hey, we're not idiots at Twitter. And I think that's a completely valid thing. Like they probably tested this. And the thing is like, you know, Christina, last week you and I talked about Twitter really needing a win, you know, to kind of put it in Mashable's terms. And, you know, if Twitter is going to change, if Twitter is going to kind of solve this, this problem of being kind of impenetrable for normal people, we need to accept that, like, it's going to look different, right? So you can't, like, want it to change and want it to grow and want it to be healthy and also want everything to stay exactly it's just to the, stay way exactly the same. So I'm not no, you're saying dead on. this is, I'm not saying this is good. I'm not saying this is bad. I'm saying I haven't fracking tried it yet. So what I'm going to do, which may be ridiculous, is I'm going to wait for it to come out and I'm going <laughs> to see how it works, and then I'm going to form an opinion if what? I like it or not. But what? I think what? that hands-on you know, experience, right? What? I mean, Christina, you were probably on Facebook from the very beginning. Like yes. I remember when it used to be like not a newsfeed, but a wall. And like, you did get everything sequentially. And newsfeed is way better on Facebook. Like people may complain, but it is a lot better Mm -hmm. than it used to be. So I don't know. Yeah, I think the only time I've seen a platform shoot itself in the foot in terms of community building, and my experience is relatively limited, but when Tumblr took away replies, that I think was truly a terrible ignorant idea that has killed off a lot of conversation on the website the twitter algorithm thing i don't think will cause that same problem again we'll wait to see uh there has been talk that um someone confirmed that their sources at twitter have said that it will be kind of an opt-in thing similar to facebook where you can choose display most recent or display um what is it top post i think is the the other option great (laughs) like that's exactly as it should (laughs) that settles it (laughs) christina do you want to say something yeah, I do. So, I mean, again, I mean, I think you guys are right. I think a lot of this is kind of becomes comes down to like kind of a lot of hand wringing without knowing the full story. And I definitely feel like the the Twitter engineer who's been getting a, a bunch of BS, you know, about saying we're not idiots. I think that's kind of terrible and, and kind of indicative of the broader problems of Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I thought his comment was like, man, people on Twitter are mean. It's like, yeah, actually, do they are. And that's that's a much bigger problem. But I feel like you're right, Brie, in that we can't on the one hand be like, Twitter has to do all these things to change. And then when they change, be like, no, 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 you can't change anything. Um, I feel like there are, you know, there are one of the major problems that Twitter has is making it easy for new users to get started. Now, if it were me, I would actually be all about the uh, onboarding experience first. That would be my first and foremost focus, would be getting people onboarded and into the platform first. But after that, definitely I think having relevant things that you see, especially if you're a new user, this could be really beneficial if the algorithm works right, because you can see maybe the most relevant things to your interest groups. Um, I think that the problem they're going to face is that for, you know, going on uh, nine years now, they've they've worked in a certain way where, you know, it has been chronological always. And um, moving away to more algorithmically driven stuff is a big change. And I think it's a much bigger shift. I mean, Facebook, when they moved to the news feed, they did that much earlier in their existence. And they did it not too long after um, they opened to everyone. And frankly, when they introduced the news feed, people protested. Now, Facebook <laughs> is one of those companies. And I think this is why they've been successful, frankly, who hasn't really cared about the user um, blowback. Like they do what they think is best. And and we all end up accepting it. And that's kind of been their MO from the beginning. Uh, but they did that, you know, like in 2006. So do, they did that like two years into Facebook, right? Right? This is nine years into Twitter. That's a little bit different. And yeah. I do think that it's it's a valid concern to say, are you going to be like alienating the people who still actually use your service? That said, I think that it's a valid thing to consider doing, especially to bring new people to the service. We're going to have to see how they work this out and, and what they do. Um, I think that the interesting thing will obviously be what they do with third-party clients. So I think that third-party, I, I doubt that they will update their API so that third-party clients display things this way. So, you know, anybody who really is a power user, most of us use another Twitter app on, on desktop or mobile. Um, I use both the official Twitter app on, on iPhone, but I also use TweetBot and I use TweetBot exclusively on the desktop. So I think for those those people like us, like I'm not even that concerned because I'm like, well, look. I'm still going to see everything coming in the way that I see it come in. But I think, I mean, it's a tough problem. Um, I think that 
I'm I'm a little annoyed with the the hand ringing because we don't know what it looks like yet. I would also say that you know this is one of those things that will be easy for them to turn off. It's not easy for them to implement necessarily, and I'm sure that a ton of work has gone into this, but this is one of those things where if they see that engagement lessens immediately, this is something they can walk back from. And right. and I and I trust that they'll do that if they see that engagement is going to go down. Definitely. It'd be pretty dumb if they didn't, right? Like, <laughs> right. Oh, I, you know, Twitter's I, like, we're going to burn it down. Yeah. Jack Dorsey's there with a, he has a torch I, and picture, pitchfork too. I, I have to say this too. And this, this really bothers me. I, so I work with Twitter very, very frequently about harassment stuff. And every single time Twitter unveils anything from the moments feature to, you know, changing likes to hearts or anything. Invariable people I like and respect will start screaming like, how dare Twitter do this when their harassment problem is still so serious? And I feel uniquely qualified to say this opinion is complete crap <laughs> because like the, the harassment department at Twitter is a completely separate entity with different people running it than the people doing engineering features. Now, I do have to say, I think a, a lasting problem for Twitter on the harassment issue is the um, the fact that they don't have good algorithms to um, like sense people that like create t- 20 Twitter accounts and run it from a single IP address and keep getting suspended there. I do think that's a technical fix, but I can tell you I like I can absolutely promise you the the way that Twitter is improving their harassment experience is they have more people looking at tweets and they are training them and then they are getting feedback from people and refining their policies. So this is Christina, you and I were on app.net. App.net was a social network that had a really high bias to trying to fix everything with the technical fix. Like Dalton thought the answer to everything was getting third-party clients. Well, some things are really best solved by humans looking at reports and being trained on that and being able to get context. So I, I feel very strongly that there is, there is fair criticism of Twitter and there is unfair criticism of Twitter. And I really feel like that particular criticism is just BS. Yeah, I think that it's also, you know, and I think you're right. I think that it's one of those things where people have to kind of say, look, there are lots of people working on lots of different projects and you can't focus everything on one topic. And it, right. and actually as the Million Man Myth um, uh, uh, shows, like having everybody working on the same thing in, in concert doesn't actually make anything go faster. Yeah, it can actually right. slow things down with bureaucracy. So yeah, they have different teams. And, and just because harassment isn't fixed doesn't mean they can't be looking at different stuff and doesn't mean they're not still looking at, at harassment issues. I mean, it's just like they have different, you know, teams working in parallel. That's how engineering works. And yeah. um, frankly, I think that, that although harassment is a huge problem for Twitter and, and definitely affects how many people will sign up and use uh, their service potentially. Their bigger problem right now is honestly user engagement, and uh, like in terms of as a as a company going forward, like in terms of as them actually surviving as an independent entity. I know that this might be unpopular for me to say, but their their problem is not um, surviving as an independent entity is not the harassment issue right now. Their their problem is is user engagement, and so this is where they really need to be focusing. Whether this works or not is a completely separate issue. But I, I agree with you. I think that it's. It's short-sighted and, frankly, a little naive to, to suggest that just because the harassment problem isn't fixed that they can't focus on anything else. The pro- harassment problem isn't going to be solved five years from now. It's going to be an ongoing process. And, like, you know, we've got a major piece coming out. It shows statistically how it's improving. And that is how it's going to be, incremental mm-hmm. improvement. And I, I really agree with you, Christina. I would say harassment is probably their third or fourth largest problem. It's the one that affects me, Brianna Wu, the most, but that doesn't make it the overall objective for the company, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if the harassment problem isn't solved yet, it's because they haven't found a solution, not because it's not being worked on, et cetera, et cetera, as you said. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. (laughs) Start building your website today at squarespace.com. You too could build the next Twitter and have an algorithm-based timeline. I I say, talking out of my butt. Enter offer code Rocket at checkout to get 10% off. Uh, If you're 
looking to build yourself a place online, there is nowhere better to do that thing than squarespace.com. They give you all the power. You will feel like a wizard standing on top of a mountaintop as you build a website based on templates or based on your own knowledge of coding or based on whatever the heck you want to do. They take away all the worries of hosting and scaling and what to do if you find yourself backed into a corner in the creative process of building your website with nowhere to go because, you know, they have 24-7 support with live chat and email. They will solve all your problems like that. So, and like I said before, it is super easy to build yourself a place online. They have professionally designed templates, uh, templates that apply to diff like specific needs for your website. Like if you want to build a store, they make it really easy to build a store. And there are tools in place so that you can make it look and feel exactly the way that you want it to look and feel. Make that user experience a pleasant one for everyone. Squarespace is trusted by millions and millions of people all around the world. Um, you've heard of them before because everyone talks about them because they're awesome. So you should totally check them out if you want to get started building your website today. Uh, it doesn't matter how complex, how simple. They have a one-page um, cover page template, so you can just build yourself a beautiful one-page website to display whatever it is, your, you know, your face, your beautiful face on the internet where everyone can see it and then hire you to do things for them. And they have really fast, solid hosting, so pretty much it is the number one place to go if you are looking to get into the owning a website game. Uh, and if you sign up for a year, you'll get a free domain name. Uh, name your own website. Name your domain. Plans start at just $8 a month. Uh, and you can start a trial with no credit card required today by going to squarespace.com. And then when you decide to spend that $8 a month, you use offer code ROCKET, get 10% off your first purchase, and then you will, we will know that you love us. And Squarespace will know that you love us. And I think that's the important message that we need to take away from this, is that you love us and you love Squarespace like we do. Thank you, Squarespace, for supporting ROCKET on Relay FM. Squarespace, you should. Love them yeah. too. They're, they're going to be at the Super Bowl. They're they're doing a Super Bowl ad, which is really Why didn't they call me? I don't know. I don't know. They should have. But but <laughs> I've also been seeing them all over the New York City subway system. And every time I see them, I get so excited. I'm like, oh my god, it's Squarespace. <laughs> I'm having an identity crisis now. Why didn't Squarespace ask me to read their Super Bowl ad? No, so it would just, be like, you in bed with an, an iMac set. making a Squarespace site. That's oh my god, that, that would actually be, be yeah. great ad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stephen, please email Squarespace. Uh, let them know that I'm here. I'm ready. My body is ready. I'm literally like in a birthing position right now, ready to give birth to a Squarespace oh Stop, Oh, my God. Stop. <laughs> oh, God. So, Christy, I know you want to talk about the Taylor Swift app, but can yes. we please take five minutes and talk about Uber Puppy? I am yes. so excited about this. This is like the best thing ever. They do this. So they excited. they do this a couple times a year. They've done it with kittens oh, too. It's really great. Did they? I didn't know that. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah, it's really good. It's really it. good. So Uber Puppy is exactly what you think it is. Like they will bring, like it's shelter shelter dogs, right? Yes. And they will bring a shelter and they will bring dog. you dogs. To your house. That is like, I swear, there was a video I watched the other day of a, she calls herself like the world's biggest cat woman. And she has like a, a two acre property with like 2000 cats there. And like, it's all fenced out so they can't escape. <laughs> like this runs the risk of me Holy doing crap. this at my house. But oh my God. Uh, it's I'm like... Oh, it's I trying would be to emotionally juxtapose, compromised like, by this, though, Brie. Like, they would deliver why? puppies to me, and I would just be uh, you would sobbing steal them. on the floor because I can't adopt right. them. This is why I don't go in pet stores, because, like, I can't yeah. not... Well, there are a lot of reasons not to go in pet stores. Right. <laughs> or to petfinder.com. <laughs> what, are, what are your other reasons other than not uh, being because able of puppy mills. with a puppy? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. There, there. I, I was gonna say I have some issues with pet stores. Not all pet stores. Some of them are okay, mm -hmm. but yeah, exactly. You kind of wonder where yeah. these. I, or I prefer animal like, shelter. Rescue. It applies to animal shelters too. That's a dangerous place. You go to an yeah. animal shelter, you will fall in love. If yep. you don't need to be there, like I went to an animal shelter once to help friends pick out kittens. I met the oh. most beautiful, sweet pit bull that I've ever met in my life, named oh. Mocha. Oh, I love. It was right before I left home to go to college, and I could not take her, and I regret to this day. This was this like day. six years ago. She was perfect. And you're still upset. You're I'm like, still, still upset. like not over it. No, she was beautiful. 
Anyway. I just, I find it hard to juxtapose in my mind, like, Uber, which is the most aggressive company ever. And for <laughs> good reason, at some points, you know, to, like, get through local Well, well then, uh, what, what, I mean, honestly, Brie, right? why do you think they're doing this? It's such a good PR move for them. Right, right. It's like... So, I mean, no, honestly, I prefer it's to such think a good that PR Uber has, like, a soft spot inside. Like, they come right. off all hard and mean and brutal and capitalist. But then inside, they're just like, I just want to hold a soft dog. A puppy, yeah. I just want to yeah. be loved. Why won't you love me? I changed my logo please love me oh, i hate the new logo the new logo it's is so bad. bad it is so bad you guys somebody that... on twitter was comparing it to the robocop omnicorp no. logo and well, it's I think exactly it was the who same called it an <laughs> which is actually <gasps> accurate oh now i love it well look at it it looks just it does. i'm never it gonna like... be able to see it any other way christina no i know i know that i couldn't either i was like yep actually that's absolutely what it is <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the new logo. I actually am okay with it, except for the app icon. Like, don't, I was kind of with Gruber on that. I was like, keep the app icon, the U, you know, because I know what it is. And every time I use the app, and I use Uber almost every day, I know they're evil, but I like them. Um, and I had a Lyft driver the other day who was kind of anti-Semitic, which was really bothersome oh, and not okay. Oh, no. Um, my Uber drivers usually don't talk to me unless, like, I want to have a conversation. So <laughs> I usually avoid that sort of awkwardness. But, um, now, like, when I open up the app, I'm like, like, what app is this? I'm like, oh, it's Uber. Okay. But, yeah. Oh, can I tell you, I was coming back from Vegas the other day, and I got so much wine from this conference. I got a ridiculous amount of wine. And we hit so much uh, traffic back from the airport that I'm like, oh, crap, I'm not going to have time to, like, check my luggage and get on the plane. Like, I was literally the last one on the plane, and then they slammed <laughs> the door behind me. <laughs> so I'm giving all this wine to my uber driver i'm like here you go dude like you want you want all this he's like yeah that's oh awesome God. it was great so you got like so many five star ratings for that he's like this <laughs> shit gave me wine and it yeah. was awesome yeah the best customer ever i want that i'm gonna i'm gonna become an uber driver now oh no my car probably wouldn't meet regulations uh, no it definitely wouldn't meet regulations the most important add They'll add a new category to the Uber app. It's like Uber X, Black Car, Black Car, and then Simone. Oh Uber Simone. And it's like the lowest. You have to you have to have an iPhone 6 Plus and rotate it on this, or an iPad Pro to slide it over that far. It's great. You know, I got in a car accident uh, two Saturdays ago, and my car no. is fine. Of it's incredible. It, it is so resilient. That's because it's nothing but metal and rust, Simone. Right. Okay, that's fair. It's sucking <laughs> your life force. It's like Christine. Oh my god, it she is. She won't it's, die. It's, it's going to kill everyone except for you. Yeah, the oh. most important thing about the Uber app is that its color scheme still fits. Uh, I don't have to move it because I keep my icon, my app icons in rainbow order. I don't have to move the app icon now that they've oh, changed good. it. It's still the same in the same place in the rainbow. Um. Do we want to talk about the T Swift game? I feel yes. like we got to. We got to. Yes. Christina's going to die if we don't. So. I'm going yeah. to die if we don't. I'm going to be so upset if we don't. We have to. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God. You guys. I, take it away, Christina. Okay. I'm so excited because, look, as I've said on this podcast before, and I'm embarrassed about this, but at the same time, as time goes on, I'm less and less embarrassed. I freaking love keeping up with, uh, I love the, the, the Kim Kardashian Hollywood game. I love that game so much. Are you still it's, playing it? I am still playing it. Oh my god. It's been like 10 years. <laughs> well, no, what happened was I stopped it for a long, long time. And then um, when we did this 100 Greatest Apps of All Time project, they made me put it back on one of my phones. Huh. And I started playing it again. And um, it's uh, it's a good game. Um, it, it's it's tongue-in-cheek. Uh, like, for instance, you can have a baby, but the baby, all it really does is kind of ups your fame level. <laughs> Oh it just becomes oh. another accessory. And look, you guys, that's terrible, but that's actually kind of brilliant. And there's a self-awareness with the game that, frankly, kind of great that the game is self-aware about how, like, terrible the world is. Like, you are become like this. Your goal is basically to become like a little mini Kim Kardashian. And it's not entirely a positive portrayal of her. Yet at the same time, no. it's kind of, it's, it, it's both, like, aspirational. And then at the same time, you're like, 
wow, would I really want to live this life? No, but it sure is fun in game form. It's so, why people watch the show. It is, which is like such a good show. But anyway, so Glue Mobile, the company who owns, uh, who does that game, and they also do, they, they bought the studio Play First, which makes one of my all-time favorite time management series of, of games, Diner Dash and, and Cooking Dash and all the Wedding Dash and Hotel Dash and all the other dashes. Um, I love those games. Um, they signed a deal with Taylor Swift. And, um, and they cry. announced this during their earnings uh, call uh, on, uh, I guess it was Wednesday. Um, apparently, Taylor, they haven't talked about what her involvement will be, but apparently she will be involved. And they, they very much described it as an original, wholly original game. They're, they're aiming for the very end of December for, for a release. And they basically are putting all their ducks into this. Now, this is great for a number of reasons. One, we're getting a Taylor Swift game, which, I mean, <laughs> come on. That's, that, that's exciting enough as it is. But the bigger story, the more exciting part to me, <laughs> the drama part that's just so awesome about this, is that at the end of December, or, or I guess in early December this year, um, Katy Perry actually had signed a deal with Glue Mobile and released her own game, Katy Perry Pop. Now, I'm just going to go out, come out and say like all my opinions of Katy Perry aside, and, and I actually think she's fine, um, it was a pretty terrible game. Uh, I tried yep. playing it a couple times. It was buggy. It was crashy. But beyond that, it was also just a, kind of a knockoff of the Kim Kardashian game, but without the humor. And it just it wasn't very good. So I only played it for a few minutes. I did make my character named Taylor Swift and made her look <laughs> like Taylor Swift. You were already <laughs> riding that hard. train. <laughs> I was. But like... Um, but the game was not very good, and Glue admitted in their call that one of the reasons that they missed revenue projections for the end of the year and one of the reasons why their revenue projections for 2016 are going to be less than expected is because the game flopped, like, hard. And so on the conference call, like, both the CFO and the CEO are, like, asked about it. They're like, yeah, so there were a lot of reasons why this didn't work. Part of it was because we had some technical problems, and that's our bad. And then part of it was that we... They didn't come out and say this directly, but they kind of implied that, like, they let Katy Perry do some weird stuff with the game that probably just wasn't good play. And so... I mean, but that's the point. Like, this is what worries me about the Taylor Swift game. Because like you said, Christina, I I have played more of that game of the Kim Kardashian game that I should probably admit. But you're right. There's a charm to the art style and there's a a shallowness of the world. Yes. It's it's, it's a hard thing to quantify, right? Yes. Like, it's, it's so in on the it's so in on itself the it's so aware yeah of it's very self-aware and katie perry does not have that same quality to it and like no. you look at the art style of it and it was just a little bit it was more ugly generic. here's it it yeah the yeah, interesting thing is that cute. i mean kim kardashian and taylor swift both share a huge brand awareness but the difference i think is that kim kardashian's brand is a little more i mean she, i think she can do that poking fun at herself thing more so than taylor can oh absolutely which is yeah right so how's taylor gonna do it well here's my thought and 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 i would love to hear you guys' thoughts i have thoughts of how this game can be successful and i doubt that taylor will do any of these things because i do think that she's too self-aware uh for not too self-aware i think she's too type a to maybe go all the way with this but i also feel like she could do some things that'd be funny first of all there should be a character named becky there should be an alter ego named becky that guides you through everything um that looks just like taylor um that that you know died from smoking marijuana from 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 um, right. you know, snorting marijuana um yeah, and, oh, and, and yeah. okay so i think that there's okay i'm down back. with that i'm down okay yeah. b i feel like you should go on as many dates as possible and and and, and earn heartbreak points and the more heartbreaks you get the more song lyrics you get the more song lyrics the more number one hits and the more successful you become see what i'm saying would that yeah. just lampshade too much like Oh, I'm sure that, again, I'm sure she wouldn't do this. I'm sure that the blank space is as far as she's going to go for it. I mean, and that video, though, in fairness, was a pretty funny video and was pretty great where she she lit into everybody's projections about her. So maybe just have a blank space level where literally, like, you act out the blank space fantasy. That would be kind of great where you, like, basically keep, you know, like a a, a sexy model um, in a castle and and, and go crazy on him when he texts other girls on his phone. Um, I think that would be great. But I don't really want to play a game based on my real life though like i play games for escapism <laughs> right but but i do feel like there's got to be some sort of like but i do feel like there's got to be some sort of like song lyric like writing up the charts element especially if it's tied to heartbreak like i really yes. think that would be great that would i be also so feel like you should be able to assemble your own squad <gasps> yes oh okay, my god that's Carly... gotta be yeah 
and it should be multiplayer so we could all play together and have our own squad yes but you could also but look she's friends with everybody in the world and everybody in the world would want to be in her game whereas there are some people who would never want to be in the kim kardashian game for brand reasons i can't think of any person other than Katy perry who would say no (laughs) to being featured in taylor swift's game so it's gonna be the bad blood music video all over again well that's what i'm saying so (laughs) literally exactly and so and maybe you could invite those people to be in your squad too because we would love to have cara delavine in our squad right simone Uh, (laughs) um um, yeah so look depending on what they do with it i mean it's either going to be really good or really bad but it seemed like on the conference call that they're willing to invest all their resources into this um i what i want to know is how much she's getting paid and i have to think that it's a humongous amount I bet yeah. she's smart enough to ask for equity. Oh, I'm than, sure like, she's smart enough to ask for equity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, I think that that makes a lot of sense, uh, Christine. I can see the the squad elements of it. That would be a good gameplay mechanic. It would also help like sell the game. I, yeah. I think it's got to have a like. I mean, ultimately, the Kim Kardashian game is kind of dark. I mean, yeah, it it's is. kind of an ironic <laughs> so commentary on the hollowness of all that. I think at its core, Taylor Swift is a more aspirational and positive message so i think it's 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 just it's not a game type that would really translate in that same well way no uh, they they have to make it totally different which is what they said they were going to do we'll see how far they actually what they actually mean by that but they would have to totally make it a totally different brand experience and not in the way like the Katy perry game literally just kind of copied the game mechanics of kim kardashian but didn't have the humor or self-awareness this would have to be i think you're right like they could do things like Go visit kids in hospitals. Create, like, you know, invite people over to your house to listen to your songs. Donate to charities. I mean, like, there are things that you could do that probably wouldn't be that fun to play, but would at least play into the game message. All I know is I'm, I'm excited that, but that at the end of the year, we're going to have a Taylor Swift game. Um, and you're going to get to review it? <laughs> oh, I'm going to get to review it. And I'm going to spend, as, as I joked on Twitter, people were like, all of your money is going to go to this game. I was like, yes, all <laughs> of my income is going to go to this game. And then... Th- Glue Mobile retweeted that. Like, <gasps> oh my god, oh. I missed that. That's so cool. Yeah, I was like, they clearly like they're like I didn't even mention them in the, the tweet, and they were like on it. Holy crap! Oh my so, god. So, um, they no, know I think you're that, a brand ambassador, oh, the number clearly, one T Swift fan well, on Twitter. Well, clearly, this was like one of those games that was like meant for me, and all I'm hoping is that this will mean that she'll be forced to do press for the game, and that I can then interview her because if yes. I... I've, I've got two shots of interviewing her this year, one is in relation to the Met Gala, and I don't think that's going to happen. I, I don't think they'll let me do that, but the other would be with the with the video game, and so I'm 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 like crossing my fingers and like hoping against hope that like. This will be my opportunity to to <clears throat> interview Taylor Swift and then um, be asked by by the, the fine people of her management and public and publicity department to never contact her again. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna end up on some watch list somewhere. Christine. Yeah, I was gonna say they're gonna be like, okay, so thank you for that, uh, and you're never gonna goodbye. Goodbye. We should no. start a hashtag like Christina's <laughs> Christina plus Taylor equals true love forever. Or something. Oh my god! Get, to like get people to to get you to interview her. I, I'm rooting for it. Well, let's go I'm with that. The it. best case scenario here: you interview her for both things, and then you join her squad. Yeah, I mean, boom. And then you end up in the game. <gasps> oh and my god! Then you end up in the game. That's oh my the god! Be- that Christina Warren that, DLC. Character. Hardworking Make tech reporter. Listina Warren. <laughs> No, but funny. they do that. They have to make like Katy Perry the villain, like shady fairy or something with an eye patch. You oh my know? god! Like, well, yeah, because in the Kim game, part. there's 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 Willow Pope, yeah. who's uh, Paris Hilton. So right. it would be actually really great if they took a fake Katy Perry character, you know, and and again recreated the Bad Blood video. But what would be really great, and and obviously Glue would never do this, but if they made her look the same as Katy Perry looks in the the terrible Katy Perry <laughs> pop game, and if there was just all sorts of shade about how much that game sucks how would you get oh, that sued? would be great that would be great so i have to ask you all have you so after the kanye fight uh was that only a week ago it feels yeah. like a million years ago the kanye fight did you all download the kimoji app have you tried that because oh i've it used so it low yeah. rent. it's so low rent that it's is so low cheapest, rent but it's great it's the cheapest i've never it broke like, the app store seen. did they yeah oh so when God. it first came out when it first came out this was in december it literally broke the entire app store because so many people were trying to download it at once oh, that no. it literally broke oh. the entire 
app store. She oh she God. raked in something like like I can't remember the amount of like millions that she raked in like the first like few hours of that game being out. It was something insanely ridiculous that literally like it I mean, it broke the entire app store. I, I texted so I texted my her. husband the one of uh I think it's is it Chloe? Uh Maybe it's Chloe, but the, it's like the dollar bills flying at the screen. Like I'm texting yeah. that to my husband, and he's just like, "What are you doing? Are you sending this to me? I don't understand." It's like really put off by it. So, so speaking of Glue Mobile, uh, apparently there's yeah. there's a Kendall and Kylie game coming yes. um, it, um, in two weeks. No. Yeah, it's already doing very well in Canada where they're beta testing it, and they're hopeful that it will do well. They are concerned, of course, about overlap between the Kim Kardashian Hollywood game and the Kendall and Kylie Jenner game, but they think think it'll be okay. But I'm seriously, like, I just hope that as Kylie, all you do is Snapchat all day. And and say and say vaguely like, well not even vaguely. You say all you do is Snapchat and say culturally appropriate things all day. Oh God. Um, here's the Love thing it. though, I will defend uh, Kylie at all costs because none of this is her fault. She literally has had no choice in any of this stuff. Nope. She's 18 years old. Her parents did this to her when she was eight. She's literally had no choice. So mm-hmm. she can. She's a mess. She's a hot mess. But I love her and I will defend her because I'm like you know what. She's they a broke you of her circumstances. Yeah, like they broke you, and that's screwed up. And now your brother is dating your boyfriend's ex fiance, who oh. he has a child with. I mean, how messed up is that? Oh my god! I remember seeing an interview with the Olsen twins where they're they're talking to the interviewer like, "We have no idea why we didn't end up like Britney. Like yeah. we should have, but somehow we didn't." It makes a lot of sense. Like, oh. Oh, I can't even imagine. Oh, that. completely. Well, that's why I think the Olsen twins stepped away from like the spotlight. They were like, "Okay, we're, we're billionaires." They turned eighteen. We're They're done. like, "Okay, we're billionaires." Yep. Done. We're done. We're done with all this. Yep. That was smart of them. That was smart oh. of them. And, and and then Elizabeth actually had the talent in the family, um, at least for acting wise, because I actually think the Olsen twins are okay with fashion. And so she was like, "Okay, I'll be the actor." Yeah, and she waited until she was somewhat older. Than, yeah, you know, five. <laughs> I right, she was right. Well, I think the family was probably movie. smart enough. They were like, "We've got one cash cow. We don't need to like do a Culkin thing." I think what happened is they looked at what happened at the pork, which to, to the Culkins, and were like, "Yeah, Ooh. you know what? Even if our family is screwed up, we're not going to be that screwed up." The twins were a red herring that they put out so that we wouldn't pay attention to Elizabeth until yeah, she but, had come of age and was ready. To, and, and then we to were wow like, us. "Oh my god, you look just like them, but you're talented. This is really amazing." <laughs> It's true, though. Oh, oh my God. Okay. So, <laughs> Brianna, what are you up to this week? Uh, so, because I am dumb, uh, I've taken a whole lot of, in addition to shipping my game and doing all the press, I have, like, do you know this feeling where, like, you shoot up in bed at, like, in, at three in the morning, you're like, I've got a great idea for an article, and you go pitch the article uh, to, like, a major press outlet? Well, I have, like, six of those <laughs> they're going on right now, and I've bitten off more than I can chew, uh, but I'm still going to do it. So, I have some really, really good articles coming out, no lie. Um, I just got back from Vegas, and um, I did a professional talk. Um, you know, we aren't really talking about this very much, but, uh, you know, the ESRB in the game industry was one of the most successful initiatives our, um, our industry ever had. And it happened because in the 90s, there was a very real danger of the government stepping in and, you know, basically raiding video games. And we kind of stepped forward and did the self-regulation thing. Well, preliminary studies for VR um, show that the risk to children is really, really, really strong. Um, even in adults, uh, like killing people in first person or seeing suicides, it's very triggering content uh, to the point where we really need to start thinking about labeling this content for consumers so they can make decisions themselves on this. and. You know, we also need to kind of find out how this is going to affect children. So I did a really cool uh, presentation on that. And now I'm coming back to the office to to ship some games. That is so cool. Yep. Christina, what about you? Um, so it's the weekend as we record this. And so uh, I'm reading a book called The I Hate Brenda Book, Shannon Doherty Exposed, which um, I wanted. I've literally wanted this book since I was probably like nine or 10 years old. It came out in 1993. It was based yeah. on the I Hate Brenda newsletter. Um, anyone who knows me knows that I'm obsessed with the TV show Beverly Hills 90210. And so I'm reading this book. And actually, here's the best part. Um, our, our new uh, chief uh, book critic, uh, Krista Taylor at Mashable, is going to let me review it for the website. <laughs> That's so oh. cool. 
so literally it, it's a book it was it was the, the, this newsletter it was like this zine I remember that, it. That, yeah that went viral in 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 like the early 90s like the like 93 or whatever um I remember seeing the book advertised in the back pages of Sassy when I was like in fourth grade, <laughs> and uh, basically it's it was kind of dedicated to people who hated both Shannon Doherty and the character Brenda Walsh. Uh, disclosure: I'm team both of them, and I like both of them, you know, and always have. And but yet yeah, there's nothing You're just more in it for the drama. Oh, I, I'm so in it for the drama. You know me so well, <laughs> Simone. And so uh, I, I'm reading this book, and I'm going to find a way to. Uh, to review it for Mashable, and uh, the um, the working title is the most '90s thing ever, or something like that. The, oh the most God. '90s book of all time, because it, it it totally is. It, it it's funny reading through this, um, because obviously it started as a zine, but you know if it had been even like five or six or, or ten years later, like it would have been a blog, right? Like the whole thing would have been like a website, and so it's like probably like the last, like uh, I think as, as as Chris Taylor and I were talking about it, he was saying it's probably like the last like book you know, a uh, pre-blog, like, mean book. It, it probably is. It's one of those moments where it's just, it's such a 90s, it's such an interesting moment in time that something like this was published before the World Wide Web became a thing and, and before, like, you could really have that sort of online kind of discourse that literally people were, you know, creating newsletters and then books about, you know, a, a topic like 90210 that was such a huge part of popular culture that, like, today it would be ridiculous to even think that someone would do a print book about something like this, but it's kind of awesome that it exists. And so, it's uh, relic. that's that's it's the only holy... way we could do it in 93. I have to say, the paperback is $81 on Amazon. <gasps> oh, no, I found, so... I found a used copy for like three oh. bucks. Oh, good, good, Ooh. good. Okay, I don't have to do that. Then. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. Oh my god, you have found literally. This is like a holy object of the '90s. A, yes, a, a true but artifact. It, it's a true artifact, and 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 and, and so I, I I got it, and I, I came into the office yesterday, and I was so excited, and like people are just kind of staring at me at the office. They're kind of like, "What the hell, Christina?" I'm like, "You don't understand. This is like my <laughs> life's will. work." This is my life. Oh my life's god! Work. It's fifty dot. It's fifty nine forty seven on eBay. Okay, because I got oh it for seriously like three dollars. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you ripped someone off. I ripped yeah. someone off. Um, and and it's got photos. Is I mean, a lot of it is just rehash. From what I can tell so far, is just rehashing of of two People magazine stories that came out about Shannon in ninety two and ninety three that I actually remember owning because I had those issues of People magazine because my family had a subscription and I have a photographic memory, so I even remember like the cover shots and like the paparazzi shots on the inside. And again, this was like before the paparazzi like became like so invasive and terrible and like TMZification of everything. So like it was kind of, I mean, it was still obviously bad, but like Shannon Doherty at that era was kind of like the Lindsay Lohan of like, but except without all the drug use and craziness, but like people really called her a wild child because she went out and partied at clubs and married a guy briefly for 10 days <laughs> and um, got into altercations with uh, some, her, some of her ex-boyfriends and, and, and drank and smoke and, and was generally kind of a pain in the ass on set, which today like you're just like okay that's every starlet <laughs> yeah. but back that's then that night. was like this huge deal and um it, it's kind of interesting like thinking about it in like cultural context as as of today because i because like today i don't even think that like none of it would we probably wouldn't even get reported like if she's out at a club it's like okay great but now <laughs> but back then it was like you left a club with marky mark what does that mean and it's like it means that she was really, really, really lucky because Mark, <laughs> Mark was like willing to mac on her at a club. Like, come on. Oh. Simone, what are you doing this week? Gosh. Uh, so I am now, I got laid off a couple weeks ago, so I'm currently unemployed, but I'm going to be really? doing some freelance. Really? I did. Yeah. Yeah. True I didn't facts. Know that. I saw, I saw oh. your tweet yesterday. I was going to ask you about it. And yeah, I didn't, it... I didn't announce anything about it. Um, I'm cool with it. I am current. I'm, doing some freelance video stuff and looking for what I'm going to be doing next. And I think it's very exciting. So yeah, that's what I'm up to this week. If and obviously introductions I to anyone, like just say the word. Like, Totes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this. Like obviously I can't quite talk about what I'm doing right now because it's very up in the air um, with the, people that I'm talking to and stuff, but I, I feel really excited about what I'm going to be doing next. And I'm actually, there are so many like projects that I want to work on in the free time that I have now that I'm unemployed. So I'm really <laughs> paradoxically excited about this. I shouldn't be like, it's, it's sad, of course, because I won't see Keezy and Courtney every day ever again. I mean, not every, I'll see them again, but I won't see them every day. 
However, I will have so much time for writing and stuff and like my own videos and things. So I'm super pumped. And also I will find another job. So that will happen. It's yeah. just too bad Assassin's Creed came out before this because that would have like <laughs> then you would have like had all your your fun employment time too. Uh, there is still Creed. another DLC coming out for Assassin's Creed Syndicate that I am waiting on called The Last Maharaja. Please uh, Ubisoft to deliver it into my waiting hands immediately so that I can have it. You can make my unemployment the best most fun time of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope they do that. If you're listening. If you're listening no. to Ubisoft, please look <laughs> her up because at least get her on a beta or something because she deserves it. Yeah. No, I actually I actually met uh, the community manager from Ubisoft at um, PAX South, Andrian uh, Benige, and he is so nice and he gave me a print of Evie and a print of Charlotte from the comic book series Aww. and we hugged and it was wonderful um, and now we're best friends. So- <laughs> He'll be surprised if he listens to this podcast to learn that we are now best friends. Um, enjoy that lifestyle. Anyway, yeah, that's what I'm up to. I can't top that. <laughs> no, you no, can't. That's the best. <laughs> oh. uh, Brianna, where can we find you online? The Twitter machine. No. I will be in your algorithms. I'll be what part of the algorithm? Algorithms. North yeah. or south? East Don't or west? <laughs> All, everywhere. Everyone. The whole algorithm. The entire all of algorithm. the algorithms all the time. Yeah. Christina, what about you? You can find me at film underscore girl on most social networks. I'm Christina on a few, but film underscore girl on most, including Twitter. And you can find my work at Mashable.com. Are you still using Peach, Christina? <laughs> no, I haven't logged into okay, it. Since good. Golden Globes. good. Yeah. I logged into it just to claim my username, and Same. I. There, I mean, it's a it's a ghost town. It is a ghost town. I mean, well, he, the, we we had um someone write kind of a story about why it went viral, and I think he got some of it right. I think he missed the biggest reason, which, frankly, the only reason most of us cared was that it was Friday afternoon. It had been a busy week, and literally we were all punchy. And I think that it, that that was the case with tech journalists across kind of the the New York media world, and so we all kind of got like giddy about it and wrote about it and and it quickly became popular but it was one of those things where when we were writing the story and i even stayed late to write it like a how-to with their magic word stuff even as we were doing that like me and carissa who were doing the two posts like she was kind of annoyed that she was having to stop doing something else to write about peach and i was like yeah no one's gonna care about this by monday no one cared by monday it was literally Uh one of those things where it was like you knew what this was you knew that this was just going to be a flash in the pan thing um but it was a fun distraction and i think that's it's you feel i feel for the startup in that situation because they see all this engagement they're like oh man we really got something and then it's like no we just had some bored people and and you had like media twitter kind of going crazy and and media twitter is big enough and loud enough that sometimes you can think that it matters more than it does and in in fact people in media twitter and tech twitter and i'm in both so i i'm I'm aware of the the jackass uh, nature of both of those things um very well we think that we're more important than we are and then like something like peach happens and we're like yeah this mattered for a millisecond for a fraction of people um (laughs) and meanwhile we'll miss bigger stories like you know like like tech twitter and media twitter in general missed pinterest for the longest time Mm. you know we were slow to snapchat um but yeah we'll be like right on that peach bandwagon you know because it was a friday gosh that's so funny well shame uh i me on the internets i am at doom quasar uh my writing can still be found at pixelkin.org and remeshed.com and i have a website of course simone don't put the http colon slash slash in there because then it will redirect to nothing but um it's a weebly website i was like free i know i will fix it i'm getting on anyway yes and that's us uh if you like this show please do rate us on itunes and leave a review to make us smile and we'll be back with you again next week on our regular schedule this episode of rocket is terminated 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 terminated